Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on Foundrug Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me Elliot Niblock. We are Polyless today. He uh, he bailed on us without telling us until the last second. Thanks for that, Polly. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We'll we'll manage. We'll manage. Maybe we'll be a little bit more positive today than usual. Yeah. I mean, or we'll just consider the different sounds of Polyless Sebless and Elliot Ness. That's true. No sirens though. No sirens. That's we true. Won't... And this time I'm even though I'm recording from Chicago, I'm five flights up in a sealed apartment. There we go. So we'll be sirenless and polyless. Mm-hmm. But we'll push through. We're, well, we got a couple of international tournaments here ahead of us. We got the under-21 Euros kicking off tomorrow, Friday. And then we have Confederations Cup starting on Saturday. And then we'll also get into some of the latest headlines from the Premier League as things are happening both on the manager front and in the transfer window. So a lot of good stuff to get to. But first and foremost, the under-21 Euros in Poland and... Um, yeah, let's let's get those uh, town names out of the way. <laughs> Lublin, Kilce, Gdynia, Bidgoszysz, Krakow, and Tyshi, or Tyshi. So we got that out of the way. Uh, the arena names aren't too bad. There's, um, yeah, there's actually not that bad. The arena Lublin. Colporter Arena, Stadion Gosir, Complex Sportovi Sashiva, Stadion Krakovia, and then Stadion Mieski. So there we go. In Group A, we find the host nation Poland alongside Slovakia, Sweden, reigning champion Sweden, and England. So, of course, us being a Premier League podcast, we're going to spend some extra time on England. And first name on the team sheet there should be Jordan Pickford. who just signed a deal with Everton. 30 million pounds to bring him from Sunderland to Everton. And Elliot, you think there's sort of a little added English tax on that transfer well, fee? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there always is, right? It's like the... It's, I, at this point, I kind of, you know, because I want to I wanna give him something besides the man bun cornrows but we can just call it the andy carroll tax mm. right like the the ridiculous knock-on fee for the fact that he happens to be either born in england or an english national or both uh, and again you know i we were talking about this earlier i have a lot of time for jordan pickford i wish i i you know i even wish him success in his career and i think that he is a great player but i also think that a fee of half that for another keeper of roughly equal competence proven competence let me say because you know he has a lot of potential would be a reasonable one if he was coming from any other league and yeah again you can say well the premier league's the best league in the world but also he played for a side that got relegated from that league yes. so i i don't know i'm i i, I think that i hope he has success at everton and i think he probably will but i the the fee still seems a little high for me, but you know they're always they are ever inflating with the TV billions that are prevent, prevalent in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean it, it's a little bit more than twice what Manchester City paid for Claudio Bravo one summer ago, mm-hmm. and Which, that's 
and that's a highly decorated goalkeeper. Although he didn't have a good, very good season, he still mm-hmm. came in with a very good track record. Well, and again, now it's you know teams buy potential. Yes. Right, and that and and sometimes it pans out, but a lot of the time it doesn't. You know. Yeah, and I mean, if he ends up being their starting goalkeeper for the next decade, then I mean, that thirty million is not—it's not that much. Yeah, but here, let me just for the sake of argument, the fee is three times as much as Arsenal paid to sign Petr Cech from Chelsea. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a crosstown rival. And granted, you know, I think Chelsea—I'm not won't to give them a ton of credit by disposition, but. They did right by a Chelsea legend by selling him to Arsenal, knowing that he wanted to stay not just in England, but in London specifically, right? Like, I don't often tip my cap to the Chelsea front office, but they did right by him there. But nonetheless, right, you know, it's still just just for the sake of argument, Petr Cech, even, even the time that he has left in his contract, I think the points that he wins Arsenal is not one-third in so many years, as many as Jordan Pickford, to pick a term from baseball, his wins above replacement, right? His wins above the average goalkeeper over the next 10 years, even should he be the Everton number one over the next 10 years. Now, again, like, good luck to him. Prove me wrong. Show that you are Joe Hart and then some, but I, at this point, he's a little raw and it seems a little steep. But, you know, good luck to him. And we should you know, get back to the U21 squad for England because he is the first name on the team sheets. And there are other interesting ones as well. Yes, absolutely. So we should just say initial fee is $25 million, And then there's an extra five, depending on how well he performs. So I'm just happy he got out of Sunderland because I don't think they're going to come back up soon. So. No, no. So, yeah, in defense... Calum Chambers, Rob Holding, Arsenal duo. So, Elliot, give us the lowdown on these two gentlemen. Well, I'm, I mean, I think that what's interesting is that despite, despite the fact that Rob Holding is the younger of the two, not not a lot younger, you know, just a few months to a year younger, um, Holding's 21 and Chambers is 22, uh, the elder of the two, Calum Chambers, has much more to prove in this tournament. I mean, I think that... You know, it's hard to know exactly what's going on in, speaking of front offices, the Arsenal front office. Um, but the jury seems to be somewhat out on whether Chambers stays or leaves. I would like to see him stay. Um, I would like to see how he might fit into a back three at Arsenal. I would like to see Arsenal hold on to what little depth they have at that position, especially given the likely departures of several other defenders, including Kieran Gibbs and Matthew Debushi. Um, but I'm also in this tournament intrigued to see, and you know, I'm going to admit ignorance. I don't follow the U21 England squad religiously, so perhaps there are others out there who know their formation better than I. But I will be interested to see if he ends up taking the field in a centre back partnership with Rob Holding and see how Chambers and Holding play together, because that's, you know, from an Arsenal perspective. I find that really fascinating, even just from a neutral Premier League fan perspective. That's intriguing. And again, you know, it's not going to maybe light the world on fire to say, watch the England squad to see how they line up in defense. 
But nonetheless, that's what I'm going to be looking for in this tournament from England. Yeah, then we got other you know names we might recognize. Ben Chilwell from Leicester, Mason Holgate, Everton, Alfie Mawson from Swansea. Um, Mawson could be one of the older players in this tournament. He's born in January 1994. So if you can do your math, he's 23, and that's okay. Because as long as you were 21 years or younger when the qualifications for this tournament started, then you're eligible to play. So basically, yeah, you got to draw the line in the sand somewhere. So I mean, basically, it's an under-23 tournament, but whatever. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, in midfield, uh, Nathaniel Chaloba from Chelsea. We also got Ruben Loftus-Cheek from Chelsea and Lewis Barker, or Baker, sorry. Along with Isaiah Brown, who's not made a single appearance for the under-21s, but he's, he's in the squad. Uh, Chelsea also has... Tammy Abraham, a very promising young forward who scored, let me double check his stats here real quick, 23 goals in 41 appearances in the championship as he spent last season on loan at Bristol City. Then, other names you might recognize. Nathan Redman from Southampton. I feel like he's going to be a key player here. He has 34 caps for the under-21 team. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I think that he's, again, speaking to players who were born in 94, um, I mean, he's one of the elder statesmen, which seems weird to say when a player is 23. But then again, you know, it's top flight football. You can be a world-class player at five years younger than that. Cough, Christian Pulisic, cough. Um, I just had to get that in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that I, he's he's definitely going to be leading the line. Maybe not definitely, but I look for him to be leading the line for England. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad they didn't just stack this team though, because they could have. Well, but I don't. Is it too bad though? I mean, I think that it makes it makes a lot of sense to hold some players back, you know. And it's similar to speaking of Christian Pulisic. Okay, here's some actual content as opposed to just an offhanded "I love Christian Pulisic" <laughs> aside, but like. Bruce Arena is keeping Christian Pulisic out of the Gold Cup. And while the U21 Euros, you can argue, are maybe even a more illustrious tournament, despite the fact that the Gold Cup is, in theory, a senior squad tournament, yes. they're somewhat comparable. And when you know what you when you know a player is tapped for, unless barring horrific injury or just a huge drop off in form, like he is a senior player. Then you don't like you don't really need to see Marcus Rashford in this tournament, do you? I mean, I would like to. Yeah, well, but but would you? I mean, if he did his cruciate, you might not be saying that. That is true. Yeah, I mean, among <laughs> the players they could have selected, Eric Dyer, Deli Ali, Raheem yeah. Sterling, and Marcus Rashford. I mean, those are the big, the big names that are already with the senior national team. Yeah, but but look, I mean, as much as we love. As much as we'd like love to see those players as fans, um, at the same time, from a developmental, from a coaching perspective, like these tournaments are about giving young kids their chance and also putting the pressure, like giving an opportunity to say, hey, this is a competitive tournament. There's a trophy on the line. And I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a real trophy, but it's it's a trial run where there is real pressure, but it's not the real pressure of a World Cup qualifier or even a senior Euros qualifier. Oh, so, okay. I mean, you kind of, those 
those guys are known quantities and they're great known quantities. So for the three lions, you gotta, you gotta be trying to sound the depths a little bit deeper. Yeah. So England, they take on Sweden in the first game of the tournament. Kickoff is at noon Eastern tomorrow, Friday. If we take a look at Sweden, reigning champion, Sweden (laughs) defeated uh, Portugal in the final two years ago in the Czech Republic. Uh, if we take a look at this team, though, I mean, a lot of the players that were actually in that team two years ago would have been eligible for this squad. Uh, but they sort of the same thing there. A lot of them have moved on to the the senior national team, and some of them were not allowed to play for their clubs because, I mean, it's a thing with the clubs, too. The clubs can say, no, you can't go. And I know that was the the case with uh, at least Ludwig Augustinsson, because um, he's switching, he's moving to the Bundesliga, and the new club was like, no, nah, I don't think so. He's going to play for Werder Bremen. Um, but the players we do have, one very interesting player, I hope he gets to start in net, that's Pontus Dahlberg. Maybe I should try in American. Pontus Dahlberg. Um <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds dumb. Um, yeah, he's 18 years old. He plays for the club that I root for back home, IFK Gothenburg. Has had phenomenal first half of the season. Really been super impressive. And that's why they actually let their, you know, starting goalkeepers of many, many years, Jon Alboge, go to Minnesota on loan. Was that they believed so much in this 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Uh other notable names, though, I mean, as far as the defenders go, all of them, except one, they play in Sweden. We got one player that plays in Norway, but if people want someone to keep an extra eye on, I would say check out number two. That's Linus Wahlqvist. Uh, very good right back that I think it's, he's 20 years old, plays for Norrköping, and he should be on his way out soon to bigger and better things. Midfielders. Uh, we got former Arsenal youth prospect Christopher Olsson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back in Sweden now playing for AIK Stockholm or AIK Solna, I should say. Uh, Melke Hallberg, uh, interesting player that's on loan back to Sweden from Udinese. And then I ho- it's another thing of like, I hope to see this guy. That's Joel Asoro. Uh, plays for Sunderland. He's 18 years old. I know Arsenal has been tagging, keeping tabs on him. Very promising player. Can play both in midfield and up front. And then as forwards goes, we got Carlos Strandberg. He plays in Belgium now. He used to play for CSK in Moscow. Uh, Gustav Engvall, who is a part of Bristol City, but he was sent out on loan here to play in, uh, in Sweden for the first part of their season. And then... Pavel Shibiki, who has Polish roots. So it's sort of an interesting dynamic there. He was sort of deciding, should I play for Sweden? Should I play for Poland? And uh, I know they showed some photos of the training camp today where he was like saying hi to his Polish grandma and stuff like that. Very cute. Uh, he plays for reigning champions Malmö. And uh, he's another one of those older guys. He's 23, but he's a very, very good player. Can play both out wide or centrally in uh, in attack, and the kid can score some goals. So, although the team is not as good as it was two years ago, 
hopefully they can find a way here to get to the semifinals because you only have the group winners along with the best second place team going to the semifinals. Uh, host nation Poland, I can honestly say I don't know too much about this team, but they do have um, Bartosz Kapuska, who is a part of Leicester City. And um, they have th- three pretty good goalkeepers from what I've gathered so far. You got Bartlomiev Dragowski uh, from Fiorentina. You got Jakob Vrabel from Olympia Grudziadsk. God, these names. And then hey, you're, do- you're doing great, man. As and far then, as my uh, uneducated opinion. Yeah. And then, he, then you got Maximilian Strushek. Who's part of Sunderland? Um, we also have an Arsenal prospect in here. A lot of Arsenal prospects. So Christian Bielik. I don't know how much mm-hmm. you know about this guy. I mean, I, we signed him for, uh, gosh, uh, hardly anything. Um, yeah, two, last year, two point seven million pounds. I, I, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, I was just talking about how intrigued to see how Holding and Chambers play. Um, it'll be fascinating to see him play in the same tournament. Uh, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, he's like Takuma Asano, the Japanese striker we signed. Mm. Look for all the world assigning of, you know, we're kind of, it's like buying a penny stock. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it's just like, you know, he's, he's a really Mm. young player. He's got some potential. Maybe you shoot the moon and he ends up developing into a world-class Center half, maybe he's just kind of fine and never ends up. I mean, you know, he's he's not that tall. He's like only five nine, five ten. Which he's listed. Friend, he's listed at six two and a half. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Okay, I'm looking at transfer. Maybe I'm just okay. I I admit this is my uh my ignorance of the metric system. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm on the one point. One point. <laughs> 1.88 meters is closer to 6'2 than 5'10. Yep. Yep. I, all right. I'm, I can admit when I'm wrong. And I grew up in Wisconsin, and therefore I have no idea what a base 10 system is. <laughs> well, I mean, now, you, now you're more intrigued of him, though, because he's taller. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, he, he yeah. would have to be over 6 feet yeah. to have any real prayer of being a center half in the Premier League. Yeah, and I mean, it, it sounds like he had a pretty good... He, had, he went to Birmingham City in the championship on loan in late January, played 10 games, but as soon as Harry Redknapp came in as the manager, he sort of got dropped from the team and only played in... I think he only played in one game under Redknapp. Um, so, and then he came in as a defensive midfielder. So we'll see what happens there, but another Arsenal prospect. Mm-hmm. Always uh, intrigued to see how they do. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, yeah, other names there. Nah, not. I can't tell you too much. Slovakia. Eh, sorry. For all our <laughs> for all our Slovakians, I am sorry. I know Albert Rusnak because he plays for Real Salt Lake. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's pretty much what I got there. So, hopefully he can, he can do well. He used to play for Manchester City in their youth team. Uh, group B, we got Portugal, Serbia, Spain, and Macedonia. Couldn't tell you a thing about Macedonia. Spain, they got some interesting names. I mean, you got players like 
Denis Suarez, Barcelona. Marco Ansensio, Real Madrid. Gerard Delefeo, Everton. He's going to be their captain. Hector, and, uh, Hector Bellerin, or Bellerin. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a player whose selection I was surprised to see, but you know, um, Spain is deep, so I guess he's he's not automatically in the squad. But no, and, and there's uh, what's his name, Marcos Marcos Laurent Laurent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always some good players that are going to be in there. I mean, Portugal they they're bringing Renato Sanchez. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there there's always going to be you know some some really good players. Um, Serbia, I mean Liverpool product Marco Grujic. That's pretty much all I can give you right off the bat here. I know Urus Durdovic is a promising uh, striker too. He's got 15 goals in 26 appearances for them in 21s. And like I said, Macedonia. I don't know anything. I'm sorry. Group C, final group: Germany, Czech Republic, Denmark, and Italy. Italy supposedly. According to media over in Italy, this is the best under-21 side since 1996. And that team had Buffon, Nesta, uh, Panucci, Totti, just to name a few. So, <laughs> so <laughs> That's a couple few, all right. Yeah, so, yeah, no pressure there, Italy. Come on. Uh, but, yeah, they do have some good players. Gianluigi Donnarumma, of course, the Milan goalkeeper, uh, you know, he, by all accounts, he's going to be the next Buffon. So there you have it. Daniel Rugani from Juventus. Uh, Marco Benazzi is going to captain this side. He's playing for Torino. And then Domenico Berardi is a player to keep up, keep tabs on up front. And then Enrico Chiesa's son, Federico, is also in the squad, which makes me feel old. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's about it. Czech Republic, not much to say about this team. Um, most of the players are playing in the domestic league. I know they have Vaklak Czerny from Ajax, so maybe keep an eye on him, and Patrick Schick from Sampdoria. Uh, Denmark, uh, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit, um, but they got a couple of interesting players too. I would keep an eye on Lasse Viggen Christiansen, the captain from Burton, and then Andrew Julesager from Celta Vigo. Now we get to Germany. Elliot. Yeah, this is, I mean, I know it's, it's not exactly picking the David against the Goliath, but my way too early prediction is I I see Germany winning this tournament. I mean, I think this is a really dangerous lineup. Um, and the two names that stand out to me, one is, you know, Serge Gnabry, who mm-hmm. just signed for Bayern Munich. I know to the ire of a lot of Arsenal supporters, but I, I don't, ha- I don't have a lot of frustration with that. I mean, maybe, his, you know, his loan to West Brom never really worked. The player got frustrated. We offered him a new contract. He didn't sign it. Uh, maybe you can fault him for that, but I don't really think you can. You know, I mean, he he was confident and he went to Germany in the Bundesliga, and now he's got his move to a, you know the the arguably the biggest club in Germany, probably and arguably. But the name that that I'm actually most intrigued by in the squad is a player who just signed for arguably the other biggest club in Germany, despite the fact that they did not finish second. And he signed from the team that finished second. And that's Maximilian Philipp. Philipp? Philipp? Kenichnit. Um, I haven't met him, but he's from Berlin. 
uh, but he's a midfielder who played for Freiburg last year and just signed this week, I believe, maybe last week, for Borussia Dortmund for a fee in the region of £20 million. And I am really intrigued to see what he does in this tournament. Because he's another player who was born in 94, right? So he's a little bit on the older side for this group of guys. And if he can kind of show some leadership, I mean, I hate to say it, once again, I'm going to bring up my favorite American outfield player, but he he could press Christian Pulisic for his place in that squad because he plays a similar role. Um, I think that, honestly, despite Pulisic's age, he's proven himself more than Maximilian Philippe has. But, you know, obviously Dortmund paid, you know, they dropped $20 million on him for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how he plays. And also, the you know, the German... U21 team is coming into this tournament in fantastic form. Like, yeah. They've won all of their last five matches. Um, it's it, it's hard to ever pick against. I mean, the depth that Germany has is seemingly invariably unparalleled. So uh, they're they're my they're my pick. It's not a dark horse. It's the the city on the hill. I get that, but they're my team to watch, and he's my player in that squad. Yeah, they and then they got you know a couple of players who's already played for the senior team. Uh, Nagby is one of them. Maximilian Arnold from Wolfsburg, Max Meyer from Schalke, and uh, Yannick Gerhardt also from Wolfsburg. So yeah, they're definitely a strong team. I mean, I, I'm I gotta buy into that hype of Italy having the best team since 1996. I mean, I hope they they can prove that because that that was just such a stacked team. And then of course I'm gonna root for Sweden. So. Yeah, Sweden Italy final, and then Sweden wins. So <laughs> let's go for that back to back champs. Let's do it. Yeah, Spain did that not too long ago. Yeah. And then FIFA Confederations Cup, the tournament of champions, as Polly likes to call it. Uh, group A, we got host nation Russia, New Zealand, Portugal, and Mexico. And I mean, for Russia, this is a very important tournament since. They are qualified to the World Cup as host. They don't get to play any competitive games. It's all friendlies. So th- this is sort of a friendly plus type tournament, yeah. if you want to call it that. Well, I mean, yeah, like the Tournament of Champions is tongue-in-cheek. It's the national team equivalent of the FIFA Club World Cup. It's like, yeah, you all won your Champions Leagues. But does anybody really care? Yeah, like, exactly. it's your it's your chance to maybe, you know put a chink in Real Madrid's armor, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we got games spread out from St. Petersburg, Moscow, Kazan, and Sochi. So that's a bit of a, I mean, it's not too bad. It's a plane ride, but you know, going from Sochi to St. Petersburg. Uh, so yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, New Zealand, they're probably, they are the least or the lowest ranked team here. I think they're 95th in the latest rankings from FIFA. Uh, I mean, yeah, they got Chris Wood, who plays for Leeds. They got two players from Ipswich and Tommy Smith and Monty Patterson. But they're without Winston Reed, who's arguably their best player. I mean, they're, if they if they can nick a point from this tournament, it'll be great for them. Mm-hmm. If they even if they get more than a goal. Like I'm gonna give them, I'm gonna give them one goal on good faith. But if they get two or more, then they've got a 
they got to go back to one of the most beautiful countries in the world and say, hey, that's good for us. Because they are, I mean, even in the opening match against, you know, as you said, Seb, a comparatively untested side for all of these teams in Russia, like, even then they are significant underdogs. And in all of their other matches, they are overwhelming underdogs. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, probably Cameroon is the closest that they're going to have. Yeah. I would say so. And I mean, the thing with Russia, too, is that they're without Alan Segoev from CSK Moscow, who, I mean, I, I I really like that guy. I really wish he would go to a bigger club. Or I mean, it's hard, though. I mean, he gets to play at home. They're still in the Champions League, you know, fairly often, and he probably makes really good money. So I understand that he stays, but I wish I could see well, him yeah, and, in a better league. I mean, yeah, at the same time, though, I I, I, I understand that. Right, yeah. like I, I have, I have respect for that, even if I, I agree with you. Yeah. So same with, same like with, he's a, yeah, same with Igor Akamfeev. I mean, he, I, I feel like he's too old now to move. Um, he's thirty-one years old, but I mean, he's been hyped for. I mean, he or he was hyped a lot when he was younger. Also, a CSK Moscow player, Yuri Shurkov. You know, he had a couple of years there at Chelsea, mm-hmm. and yeah. then a player to keep an eye on. That's Alexander Golovin. Also, CSK Moscow, 21 years old. Um, the youngest player in the squad together with Alexei Miranchuk from rivals Lokomotiv Moscow. They're also without Korin since he seems to have some uh, issues sort of off the pitch and with his discipline and everything. So their best attacker here is, is uh, Fyodor Smolov and he has seven goals and 21 caps. And he's the only one of four selected forwards who scored more than one goal for the Russian national team. So <laughs> we'll see how they do. Uh, I don't have much faith in them. Portugal stacked lineup, the Euro champions, Cristiano Ronaldo, of course. That's all the talk. They also got Nani. They got Ricardo Quaresma. You got Bruno Alves, Pepe, João Moutinho, Andre Gomes. That's a nice player to look out for in this team. That's still in his mid twenties. Otherwise, it's a, it's a lot of the older guys. Andre Silva. I hope we get to see him. Twenty one year old from Milan. But I mean, everything is going to revolve around Cristiano Ronaldo, and he wants to take his shirt off. So <laughs> you know he's going to score some goals. Yeah. Hey, I'm just I mean, saying. I mean, if I had that, he has like that eight pack going on. If I had that, I would also take my shirt off all the time. Just be like, yeah. oh, oh, hear it. Oh, I did this. Take my shirt off. I mean, but, you know, the the joke that I'm ever fond of making is that he just happens at the supermarket. Or he's just like, yeah. Hey, know, I picked up this drought in the milk. Yeah. <laughs> shirt Found off. Found the lucky, lucky Euro penny. Great. Yep. <laughs> Take yep. the shirt off. Euro penny. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a good team. I mean, it's it's a lot of the same guys who won the Euros. So, I mean, I would definitely definitely keep them in mind to bore everybody to death and then Ronaldo scores a goal. Mexico, we saw a close look of them not too long ago when they played the United States in the World Cup qualifiers. Um, you know, I feel like they have a pretty good squad. They have the potential to upset some of the bigger nations. Rafa Marcus, how is he still in this team? <laughs> 38 years old, 139 caps. I mean, that's a 
phenomenal achievement, but come on. I mean, he's not bad. I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just like he just keeps on going. I feel like the player to watch here, Irving Lozano, 21 years old from Pachuca, been linked with both Manchester clubs. And then, of course, Javier Hernandez. We know him. Carlos Vela, Gio Dos Santos, plays for Alley Galaxy. His brother, Jonathan, is also in there. Um, Andres Guardado. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I think that they're that on the one hand, prior to the U.S. match, I, I was thinking that oh, okay, wow, well, Mexico have all these extra fixtures with the Confederations Cup, but they might they might be hoping for that because they looked pretty flat at the Azteca against the U.S. To be honest, yeah, and so they this is like we're we're saying that yeah, I mean it's a it's a real tournament, but it's only kind of. And this is going to be probably a very welcome tune-up for them, I yeah. think, after they realize that they do have some problems under the hood. Yeah. Then in Group B, or we should say that things kick off on Saturday, Russia, New Zealand, and then Portugal, Mexico is on Sunday. Also on Sunday is Cameroon against Chile, two of the teams in Group B alongside Australia and Germany. And if Germany had a stacked under-21 team, I feel like the team they're bringing to to the Confederations Cup is anything but. Yeah. Yep. That's it's funny. It's, but again, I think that bespeaks the depth of the national team as a whole, that they're just resting all of these players for the Confederations Cup while they're still giving a nod to all these players in the Euros. Yeah, but I mean, you're without... I, I know Neuer is injured. So you're without Neuer, Sané, and Götze through injury, that's okay. I understand that. You can't do much about that. But then you're resting Mats Hummels, Jerome Boateng, Ozil, Toni Kroos, Sami Kedera, um, Thomas Müller, Mario Gomez. I mean, that's a lot of players that would just go straight into the starting 11. Uh, but instead, you have the most capped player in this team is 23-year-old Julian Draxler. He's going to be the captain from PSG. He's got 30 caps. Then you got Jonas Hector from Cologne. 29 caps. And then you have to go all the way down to Shodran Mustafi, Arsenal. 16 caps. Yeah. So, I mean, I it is an opportunity for some players to sort of prove that, hey, you know what, I want to at least be in the squad for the World Cup next season. Uh and there's still some quality players here. I mean, Mark Andre Ter Stegen, he's a really good goalkeeper. It's just that, you know, you're sitting behind Manuel Neuer, who's one of the better goalkeepers in the world. So he'll get the chance here now, I think. Uh, I don't see Kevin Trapp or Bernd Leno pushing him from the starting spot there. Uh, other notable players in defense, Matthias Ginter from Borussia Dortmund uh, and Joshua Kimmich from Bayern Munich. He's sort of like a Swiss Army knife, although he's German. German knife. German Army knife. No, we don't want a German Army knife. Um, you know, Bayern Munich, he, he's he's so good. I mean, just you can put him anywhere. He's like, okay, I'll play. I mean, the tenacity, I mean, he's just uh, – love that guy. 22 years old. Um, midfield, besides Draxler, Emre Khan, we all know from Liverpool – uh, I mean, Yunus from Ajax got a shot in this. He only has two caps for the German national team so far. So nice to see if he can get in there. 
Julian Brandt from Bayer Leverkusen and Leon Goretzka from Schalke, who's uh, a player that I think could make a bigger move here soon. Yeah, definitely. He feels sort of an Arsenal-type player. They would bring him in. They're like, yeah, ah, we're tired of we're tired of Shaka getting sent off all the time. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I know you love the quote-unquote silly season, but maybe that's because of the history of United opening the pocketbook and yes. Arsenal fans watching dejectedly as it remains shut. But I just hate it. I just like <laughs> for my own, for my own emotional well being, I just can't be bothered to follow it too closely. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of this is gonna revolve around Draxler. Uh if they're smart they're gonna play him sort of that roaming uh forward role, like right behind the central striker and just let him do whatever he wants to, basically. There's three forwards in the squad. They have a combined Six caps and three goals. They have two caps each. It's Sandro Wagner from Hoffenheim, Timo Werner from Leipzig, and then Lars Stindl from Borussia Mönchengladbach. And Wagner has all three goals. He scored a hat-trick in the last qualifier against uh, San Marino that they won 7 nothing. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, San Marino. <laughs> Australia, they got Tim Cahill still. He's still yeah. there. Closing yeah, he's he's cl- another one who's still kicking around, although he's not quite uh, Rafa Marquez's age, is he? He's thirty-seven. He's turning thirty-eight wow. in December. God, he's all, he's almost he's nearly. I thought he was only like thirty-five. No, he's closing in on a hundred caps. He sits on ninety-seven caps heading into this tournament. So, play three group games, and hey, you got a hundred. He's got forty-eight goals in those ninety-seven caps, so that's pretty good. Um, I mean, there's not much else to the Australian team. I would say Matthew Ryan, decent, decent goalkeeper, and um, keep an eye on Tom Rogic, Rogic from Celtic. That's pretty much what I got to say about them. Um, but I think that we've seen though that they're taking strides ever since they switched over to the Asian Confederations. I mean, I know it's been 11 years now, which also makes me feel super old. But I think that that has benefited them, though. And because, uh, I mean, they they were playing these, you know, that's why New Zealand is in because they won the OFC and they've basically been occupying the top spot in the OFC ever since Australia left. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just I mean, they've, I, w- I wonder how long it'll be before FIFA restructures that because it's just. Yeah, just bake it into Asia, make it even bigger. <laughs> Bake it um, into Asia. Bake it into Asia. Cameroon, they won the African Cup of Nations uh, earlier this year, so they're in it. Uh, I mean, pretty unknown side, really. We got, um, or we were supposed to have Ambrosi Oyungo from Montreal Impact, but he busted his knee in the final um, friendly. So he's going to be gone for the rest of the year. Yeah. So we'll see there. Uh, I would say keep an eye on Vincent Abu Bakar. Spent the season on loan at Besiktas. Did well. Um, 18 goals and 36 appearances, I want to say. Other than that, I could not tell you too much about this. They are without Nicolas Enkulu, who's uh, reportedly on his way out from Lyon. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of a unknown quantity there, Cameroon. And then we got Chile. 
Chile, Chile, Chile. What a stack team this is. Yeah, I mean they're they're hands down favorites. Right? Oh, they are They've going for this. They are just going for it. You got Alexis Sanchez. You got Arturo Vidal. You got Maritio Isla. You, I mean, just their defense. I mean, you got four players with more or 90 caps or more in Maritio Isla, uh, Jean Bachajour, Gary, Gary Medel, and Gonzalo Gara. I mean, they are really stacked. Claudio Bravo's in in net. He usually does well for Chile, so I'm I'm not too worried there. And then, you know, besides Alexis Sanchez up front, you also got. Eduardo Vargas. He's got a pretty good scoring record. He's got 33 goals and 72 caps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems to play particularly well when he has a national team jersey on. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Chile, definitely one of the favorites. I mean, definitely the favorite to win Group B. Um, I mean, I think they're the favorite to win the whole thing. I think that a, between... You know, among, yeah, the, like, the, Chile, among the biggest... Chile or Portugal. There, Chile or Portugal. Yeah. Okay. But I don't. But I. I still. I still think Chile are head and shoulders above Portugal. I mean, I you can say that maybe Portugal are the second strongest squad in this tournament. I would agree with that. But I think that the gulf is pretty large. Don't underestimate Portugal's way of sucking all the fun out of a game and then winning on penalties. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm. I I live in hope, man. I don't I don't want to repeat to another Euros. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. That would be bad. Um, yeah, we should say real quick. Everton signed Davy Klaassen from Ajax, so they made two big splashes here so far. Klaassen basically a regular now with the Dutch national team. And um, yeah, we'll get to the other stuff later. But Victor Lindelof signed for Manchester United, so. At least we got one Sweden team next season as well. So that's good. Final thoughts, Elliot, you kick it off. Uh, well, my final thought, it, I mean, it has to come, has to come from the U.S. As Christos FC, the amateur club sponsored by a discount liquor store in Baltimore, Maryland, nearly, well, quote-unquote nearly, pulled off the cup upset against D.C. United this week. Yeah, they took uh, going the lead, up, right? Yeah, yeah, they went up 1-0 off of a free kick, and it stayed level for the majority of the match. It wasn't until, like, the 80th, 81st minute that D.C. took the lead back, or took the, like, they equalized in, I think, the 35th or 36th minute, but uh, then they uh, they broke the deadlock and ended up running out 4-1 winners, but the scoreline doesn't tell the story, and it's just, I mean, they're, and you read the interviews, there's a great article on the Washington Post, um, about Christos FC where they're, I mean, th- these guys just, they get, they do, could not care less. It's <laughs> like, you ask them, the, you know, the interviews you read with these players, like, so what do you know about them? Like, I don't know. I know they don't win a lot of games. I know they don't score a lot of goals. Honestly, I don't know anything about these MLS teams. <laughs> I mean, like, these guys just can't be bothered. And I, it's, it, it's that kind of, the um, it, it's a story that seems interesting to me too. We talk a lot about the game growing in the United States, uh, and then we also talk about occasionally on this show the difference between the multi-billion-dollar Premier League industry today and the not uncommon for a player to show up hungover, still drunk for a match of a hundred years ago in England. 
And this one seemed to me to be kind of like an interesting transatlantic blending of the two eras. Uh, and it was just it, it was just a story that I loved. So, you know, tip of the cap to them. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is on Claude Puel, who got sacked by Southampton here a couple, uh, like a day or two ago. And um, I feel like they sort of give up on him a little early. I mean, he only had one season in charge. I know that they went from sixth place to eighth place. They finished with 17 points less than yada, yada, yada. But removing him after one season, it's, I don't know. There has to be something more to this. Um, maybe he just lost the locker room or something, which seems odd, even if you finish eighth. Um, so we'll see what happens there. The manager carousel goes on. And then we should say congrats to Claudio Ranieri, who is now the new manager of Nantes in, or not in League. So with that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seven Oren. Elliot is Kito's Better. And Polly is Picosol WFAN. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. And watch those games. Watch them. England, Sweden. Thank you.